ideas and new technology are causing seismic shifts in the media industry. Where are we headed? What does it mean? Keep listening. Media strategist Gabriella Mirabelli talks with the brightest minds in entertainment and business. Meet the innovators, the risk takers, and the disruptors on the front lines of change from Hollywood, Wall Street, Silicon Valley, and beyond. The future is coming to a screen near you. Are you ready? This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. This month, Wipols, the leading authority on Gen Z and millennial opinions and behaviors, released their trend report on how young consumers are increasingly self-taught. Mary Lee Bliss, Wipols's chief content officer, is here to discuss what Wipols's research can tell us about how and where young consumers learn what they want to know. Mary Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Gen Z and millennial consumers have had a level of easy access to information that was impossible for earlier generations to even comprehend. To learn things required effort, going to the library, knowing where to look or how to access it, or speaking of access, having access to a university professor or a teacher. And nowadays, MIT has open courses on physics or blockchain. Thought leaders are giving TED Talks. Everywhere, information is available and easy to access, often free. So the question becomes, what are young consumers looking for? Where do they find that information? And how do they like to consume what they find? Before we talk about your findings, can you give us just a, a little bit of information about the, the geographic territory you cover, age of who you survey, how representative it is, and what we're looking at with regard to margin of error? Yeah, absolutely. So for all of Wipulsa's surveys, and we survey young consumers across a huge variety of topics every single month, um, including a major trend that we are seeing young consumers fuel, which this self-taught trend research is all about. Um, we are surveying 13 to 39-year-olds in both North America and Western Europe. Um, for our North America survey, we are looking at a survey of 1,400 150 respondents, and that is all balanced across age and gender, according to population of each country, and the margin of error is under 5%. So we are looking at really close to how young consumers are really feeling about this trend, and we feel very closely to our report publishing date. So this is super fresh data. Where's the number one place that young consumers are looking for their answers? Well, it's so interesting to think about the shifts. We've always called Gen Z and millennials generations of researchers because they've had so many tools at their fingertips from such young ages. Millennials traded encyclopedias for Wikipedia, and now we see completely different resources when it comes to where they turn when they want to learn something new. And the top resources that we see for young consumers are Google and YouTube, really neck and neck. With Google, does that mean they're using the search engine and then that puts them directly in contact with the knowledge source, like the Mayo Clinic for Health, or that they're just reading and taking the quick Google answer? Those Google answers are taking up more and more space, more real estate yeah, when you do a search. That's a good search. question. And I'm sure that it will evolve as Google evolves, as we've seen, you know, just the last few years, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, a likely a mix, but they certainly trust Google to point them in the direction of a resource that can be believed. I wonder from a 
business standpoint, the implications for SEO, you know, obviously working the SEO gets you on that first page, but as the ad space, you know, the real estate for the ad and then the real estate for the Google quick answer and the AI's assumption of related questions you may be thinking of, your answer gets lower and lower down the page. And if people are looking at a phone, it may not even be what somebody's seeing. So I very true. I wonder, and how does formal education fit into their rank of go-to sources for information? So when we ask about the first resources that they would use, if they wanted to learn something new, Mm -hmm. Google and YouTube actually outrank things like teachers and libraries. Um, Now, listen, when we look at more traditional school subjects, so uh, math, English, um, those kinds of things, also uh, computer skills, um, new languages, things that they're used to learning in school, teachers still are the top source for students. Um, so it's, it's not that, you know, they're <laughs> turning their backs on teachers and classrooms and only using Google and YouTube. That said, they're certainly supplementing their education that they are getting in classrooms with these other sources. We see that really clearly in the data. Mm. And what with, about, what about ed tech? Like if like with exactly. languages, like do along with all, exactly. Along with ed tech, um, especially platforms like Quizlet, um, which is, uh, has super strong affinity among Gen Z, our brand tracker, which tracks over 400 brands in North America and over 800 brands in Western Europe has an entire ed tech uh, industry within it. And when we look at the top brands for Gen Z, not just in ed tech, but across all industries, Quizlet is in their top 10. They have such a wow. strong affinity for these platforms that are providing shortcuts and information and help in their regular education. So they're supplementing themselves with, now think about, we did it as well, old millennials, Gen X. We had our Cliff's Notes, but this is just yeah. a different take. <laughs> that's true. It's funny. I don't even, I think that's so old school now. And it's also interesting it that did Cliff Notes migrate into digital or is it, does it even exist anymore? Oh, great question. Uh, I'll have to look into that one. I wonder, you know, those things that for us, that was the, that yellow book. That yellow book was so helpful. That yellow book was so helpful. (laughs) But it's really important to remember that sometimes we look at data about Gen Z and millennials and there's a little bit of a gasp factor of, oh my gosh, how could the new generation be doing things this way? They're abandoning the old ways, you know, a little bit of of fear around the change, Mm. but often it's just a change in tools not a change right. in a drastic change in behaviors. There's always been a, a desire to have that help. And that help is just more accessible to these generations. And often what we try to communicate is that had Gen X and old millennials and boomers had these tools, all over we would have been doing all the same thing. over it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are the young consumers searching for? In a, earlier in your answer, you said, well, with traditional subjects, they are still talking to teachers. So what are they looking for? Yeah, it, it depends on the the platform because um, what we really found in the data, which was so interesting, was that they're using different digital platforms to search for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, 
over half of young people tell us that they are often researching new things in their free time. They just are actively looking for information. Um, and when we ask them about what they are researching to learn about, um, hobbies, new languages are number one and two, followed by how to use a product, which is huge for brands. Mm. They are looking into how to best use your products. They're looking for those DIYs, those tips, those tricks, and they're often finding those not directly from the brand themselves, but from other people like them who are posting content on social platforms. You know, what's really interesting is uh, I interviewed Pascal Lanou from Skeepers and they have a platform that powers UGC and consumer feedback. And he mentioned precisely how consumers are leaning into other consumers is sort of value from consumers for consumers that benefits the brand. It's Absolutely. Absolutely. Really interesting. One of the things in looking at the report that I was curious about is here's where it's sort of my margin of error question came in. Should, if somebody's reading the report, should they chunk up those things or should they just rank them as the percentages? Do you see what I'm saying? If that makes sense. Like if we're comparing, I mean, there's obviously a huge difference between something um, at the bottom of the heap with a 15% mm -hmm. search, of, search of it. But if, if we're comparing, you know, 37% are looking at a hobby and 39% are looking at how to use a product, are they essentially the same level of interest? Sure. So absolutely, when you're looking at a question that we have asked as a closed response question, which means that we're providing responses that they are then choosing from, mm -hmm. um, anytime there is a longer list of responses, which of course there's going to be for a question like, what topics have you researched to learn about <laughs> in your free time? Which, you know, the possibilities are endless. So we have to provide a long list of responses to that. So they're looking at a list of 20 plus. Um, so the statistics at the end of that coming out of that question are naturally going to be watered down because there are so many choices for them to look at. And that's just a, a researcher's knowledge of how to interpret that data coming out of the question. So absolutely for a, a question that has many responses, looking at as a ranking is a, a great way to do it. So we know that a hobby, a new language, how to use a product, they're neck and neck statistic wise, they're all at the top. So the really the takeaway there is that these are all major topics that they are researching about in their free time that brands should be paying attention to. So it's really about almost creating bands of like, these are the top, these are in the sure. middle and these are at the bottom. Okay, sure. Just... They're far less likely, for example, to be researching politics, government, legal systems in their free time. Um, and actually not likely to be researching uh, as likely to be researching a brand itself in their free time for their own entertainment that they're looking into when they are about to buy a brand, then they spring into action. But when they're looking in their free time, it's these things that are really about their passions um, or how to uh, optimize the use of something that they're really digging into. Well, and this is interesting. In previous conversations, we've talked about how consumers do care about how brands behave. And so researching a brand becomes important. And I guess what's interesting here is you're, if I'm understanding what you just said properly, they do research the brand, but it's when they do it. They research the brand when they're in purchase mode. 
Yes. Before they purchase a brand, we find that the majority of young consumers have done research about a brand they've purchased from, and they're doing that before they purchase that brand. And of course, when we ask them, you know, what are you researching in your free time? (laughs) Brands are not... Brands are not their hot topic, but when they're going to make a purchase, the, you know, we have called them the generations of researchers for a reason. They are looking into that brand. They're looking into everything from uh, whether they're getting the best price, of course, because these are practical budget-minded generations that grew up in the shadow of the Great Recession, to you know how to best use those products or what the best product is that they could be buying, um, but also the impact that that brand has had on the environment and the social causes that they support um, and the way they treat employees. These are all topics that we see young consumers are researching when they are purchasing from brands. So if they're in purchase mode and they're researching a brand, are they still primarily going to Google or are they going somewhere else? Yeah, I'm sure a brand would love if their website was the first resource, right? Right. Um, But the reality is Google is still the number one resource when they're looking into a brand that they're purchasing from. The brand website does rank number two. Well, I was curious if they'll listen to the brand. Are they open to hearing what the brand has to say? It's obviously a... um... A statement that has a point of view sure. coming from the brand, sure. but I guess that's also where you would get cus- you know other customer reviews. Yeah, they are was- willing to listen to a brand, but of course, online reviews are a huge influence on them as well. Right, and so related to this is who they trust for information, yeah. and it looks like influencers and creators are trusted for a lot of what they're looking for, but it seemed like there were a subset of items which might be considered more serious. That is mental health, career, business, sort of harder fundamentals that they seemed to be less inclined to look to the influencers for. Now, am Mm -hmm. I perceiving that properly? It really depends on the influencer. However, um, the things they're most likely to trust an influencer to teach them about are, yes, those kind of lighter, uh, more soft things, DIYs and how to's, how to use a product, a hobby. Um, and they're slightly less likely to look into, look to those influencers for harder things. That being said, when we look at where they're learning about uh, things like um, causes and um and activism, um, the internet and influencers are a top source. So it really depends. That's interesting. I, I really was wondering if this is a white space opportunity, can, you know, or conceptually it wasn't. For instance, if a bank, could they partner with an influencer and and be advising on finance? And would, would people be open to that? Or right. is it really... Nah, that's really, they don't tend to go for the influencer there. Well, again, totally depends on the influencer. When you look at TikTok, there are a slew of financial quote unquote experts that have infiltrated the app, let's say in the last few years and really established themselves as go-to experts on finance and, you know, giving investment tips and uh, savings tips, et cetera. So, you know, I think really finding the right influencer is, as usual, incredibly important for a brand. But there are many influencers who are very trusted when it comes to those topics. Interesting. 
A few weeks back, I reached out to you because I had read a stat that someone else had put out that social media was as important as Google for search. And I just, it didn't feel right to me. (laughs) And I reached out and you said, oh, we got something in in, out there and you got to wait for the results. And now here are the results. So how does social media stack up? How are people using social media for research? When do they lean into it? Yeah. So when they want to learn something new and they are turning to the internet to figure out the next steps, Google, YouTube, those are, as we said, their top sources of social media is a source. It is not as high, uh, Google and YouTube and teachers and online courses, those all outrank social media. That said, over a third of young consumers and even more likely Gen Z than millennials do say that they use social media when they want to learn something new. So it is a resource for them when it comes to learning. And that's something that brands, but really, you know, everyone should be thinking about because so often when we think about social media, it's written off as devoid of any meaning, <laughs> but right. we continue to see that for Gen Z and millennials, there's true meaning, meaning in their social media use. Real connections, we wrote clicking on community and you and I spoke about that and real information and knowledge that they are turning to social media to find. So Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's not outranking um, Google and YouTube and these these places that have really established themselves as knowledge sources or even those more traditional people that they have in their lives. Um, But it is absolutely a knowledge source for a large number of young consumers. And I think what's interesting is people and why people engage or share with things if they want to be useful to their group, um, their cohort of people who they identify with. Knowledge fits into that. And so you think, well, they're on social platforms, they want to be entertained. So knowledge presented in an entertaining way will be engaged with. I mean, if you just think of the success of Upworthy and they were putting out their videos and those were informational, but they were very viral. People shared them. They got the dopamine hit because other people liked and reshared what they shared. And and it definitely fit into that. Uh, So I think it's interesting how information works with us sort of behaviorally, but also each platform having its purpose. So it's finding that sweet spot where you fit both. Another thing I had forgotten actually to ask or clarify is how they like to learn. Now, Mm -hmm. Google is Mm -hmm. very uh, wordy, whereas YouTube is very visual. So is it neck and neck text and video or is, is one edging out the other? Well, yeah, in terms of those two sources, they are neck and neck. Um, But for Gen Z, YouTube is absolutely um, the higher of the two. And when we look at how young people prefer to learn, there is a very, very clear preference for video. Uh, 69% of young people have learned something new by watching videos online. And when we ask them how they prefer to learn, Gen Z and millennials both by far prefer to learn by video. 86% of Gen Z prefer video to text and 82% of millennials prefer video to text when we're asking them to choose between those two options. It kills me with that. And I just, is that you can't necessarily skim to what you want to know. I don't, I I really, the time suck of watching a video. I I really, 
I find that so interesting because I, I'm old and I like to be able to skim to what I want and disregard yeah. the rest. And I know I, I get it. I, you know, where it's what I want. Like if I want to learn how to do something, I like looking at a video, but if I want to learn a, a fact or a news item, I want to read it because I just want to get to what I want to know. Um, yeah. This is, this is a real generational shift, I would say. Um, and platforms that are focused on video were already, you know, the preference for Gen Z. We have called them a very visually and video driven generation. Um, and that applies to their learning as well. Um, when you look so at TikTok, again, you know, kind of these assumptions about TikTok, you know, all dancing videos are all videos of pets. I'm dancing and I'm giving whatever. you advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, you know, TikTok is in the top three when it comes to the social platforms that have helped young consumers learn something new. Um, 45% of Gen Z tell us that they have learned something new from TikTok. And TikTok has leaned into this. Um, they have a Learn on TikTok program. It was launched last year. They actually give have given grants to individuals and organizations um, to create learning content, content that will educate. So, you know, we're talking about Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson and, you know, organizations like It Gets Better and Headspace who are making videos for the app. And that hashtag learn on TikTok at the time of our publishing about a month ago was learn on TikTok 192 billion views. Holy smokes. Yeah. So, um, wow. you know, there's a lot you can learn from short videos, which TikTok is really showing us. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, changing gears, uh, getting to the, the, the meat of things for people who are listening and thinking about what this all means for them. What are the areas that consumers are looking to brands to provide answers? And if I work at a brand, what are the sort of the big takeaways that I should fold into my thinking? Sure. So every report, you know, we of course are exploring a trend, but then trying to make it clear what brands need to do to react to it. And one of the big things that is a takeaway from this report is that not only are young people doing research on things that they enjoy, like hobbies and, and their passions and how to use a product, but also on the brands themselves. So know that they're looking into you and they're, they're looking for information, not just about your products, but about um, who you are as an organization, how you support your employees, um, how you are uh, supporting the causes that they care about. Those are things that they're looking for. Um, also, that online reviews are weighing in highly when they are making their product decision. So that's important to know as well how important word of mouth is. Uh, but another thing that brands can really take away is that young people are open to learning from brands and they're researching things for their own entertainment and brands can play into this. And as you said, you know, education can be entertainment and these things are crossing and blurring and the spaces that they're spending so much of their time on are helping them to learn new things and they want more of that. So when we ask young people uh, what they would most want to learn or trust brands to teach them about, um, First of all, the majority would trust a brand to teach them about something. And the top things that they would uh, trust them to teach about actually are similar to the things that they would look to an influencer for. DIYs and how-tos, beauty and skincare, a hobby. Um, so they don't necessarily be, have to be ex 
exactly about your product. They can be related. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of brands can lean into this kind of um, how-to and DIY and education as entertainment to really speak to these generations, especially on the platforms that they're spending a lot of time on. Have you seen a brand operationalize this very successfully? Is there an example so that? Yeah, there's a, there's many. One that I really like like that was recently announced is uh, the beauty brand, the Inky List, which is a smaller brand, but definitely a hot brand. When we ask uh, young consumers in Western Europe about the beauty brands that they're interested in, the Inky List was in the top ranking. They have a whole uh, program built around education. Um, Now, this is around not just their products, but also um, just skincare in general. Um, Mm. So there's an app, My Inky, that they created that allows users to load information up around their their own skincare routine. So very personalized. It actually pairs them with a coach to um, talk about skincare and figure out their own personal routine and teach them about skincare for six weeks. And that's that free. Is, that's a free thing. Yeah, and that's oh. digital, but also um, it could also become an in-person service um, that they bring to Sephora in 2022. That's something they're talking about. So that's, a, I think, a really great example. They, they had a hotline called Ask Inky um, that connected consumers with personal coaches. And now they're kind of formalizing that even further. We also see things like brands that have a long time had programs around education around uh, their own product or um, or related things. So, for example, every Thanksgiving, Butterball is known for having this hotline that people can call on how to cook their tur- turkey. And they are usually bombarded by calls. Yeah. They're actually, <laughs> yeah, they're actually taking this to TikTok this year. So they're going oh. to be uh, turkey experts posting content around how to cook turkeys and, you know, answering the frequently asked questions that they get. So 1-800-BUTTERBALL will still exist, but also there will be content on TikTok. So I think that's a great example of a, a brand that's kind of had an educational program or campaign that people love for many years, kind of updating it and bringing it to where Gen Z and millennials are spending their time. So clever. So smart. Thank you so much for sharing this information. I think it's really, really interesting. And if you're at a brand, I think it's very helpful to conceive of how consumers are thinking of you and how you can participate and engage with them in a helpful, useful way. Thank you so much. We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend, Rob Naughton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.